Amen. So good to, to be with you all again. I was here a few months ago and it's so good to be back with you and see so many friendly faces and see new faces here again this morning. Uh, just driven down, um, so up, up, down from uh, Leeds. And um, I come encouraged because um, it's about eight or nine years ago, uh, we had the joy of planting a church into Liverpool, sending our best uh, into there. Uh, two of our elders uh, and their families. And uh, it was a joy for me to do the weekend away for them there in Liverpool and to see how a church has grown. And uh, there's uh, now over 100 there gathering at their weekend away and uh, a team of elders there now and a, and a great thriving church. And um, I love weekends away because you get to have meals and get to talk with people. And I was shouting to this one guy called Solomon and um, I said, how did you get to be here in Liverpool? Tell me some of your story. And he said, well, uh, I was in a nation that is kind of closed to the gospel, um, that, um, you know, wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be a Christian nation. And he was in that context in a large gathering of around 1,500 people. And some of his friends had become a Christian. And Dave Devonish was speaking at that meeting. And he said, there's a man in this room called Solomon. Uh, and um, and uh, the interpreter knew this guy, Solomon. He knew Solomon. So he was interpreting the prophetic word for him and pointing at him. And this guy, Solomon, was like, this is me. He gave his life to Jesus in that meeting. And then he had the joy of uh, bringing his girlfriend and her whole family to Jesus. Amazing story as her father-in-law was very against the gospel but he had a heart attack. He, his heart stopped beating for 10 minutes. This Solomon's a nurse and specialized in cardiac arrest, so he knew what was going on. Um, but when he recovered and came through after that, um, he wanted to give his life to Jesus um, and gave his life to God. And then here he was in Liverpool. And you think, isn't it great to be part of this global movement? And I said, how is it? Is it different? He said, sure, there are some differences, but it's the same. It's the same grace. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same mission. And it's a joy to be here in Liverpool. And I want to speak about that this morning to you. I want to ask the question, uh, if we've got the, the PowerPoint, what does it mean to be part of an apostolic and prophetic movement? What does it mean to be a part of an apostolic and prophetic movement? Maybe you've heard about uh, those titles before. Maybe you haven't. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, we're going to unpack by looking at Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 30, some of the keys as to what that might mean. And uh, to do that, I would, you know me, I like to mix it up a bit and uh, get a bit creative. Um, I'd love it if we could have uh, seven uh, volunteers come up and grab a piece of paper. Uh, and you might need to do some facial acting. Some of you might not. Uh, if seven of you could run forward, you know, children or adults, either way, and just grab one of these and, and help me. That would be amazing. Thank you. So take one and pass it on. Uh, now, if you have Jerusalem written on your piece of paper, if you could come and stand to my left over here, if you've got Jerusalem, please come down here. Uh, now, Jerusalem was a city of around 100,000 people. If you could hold that nice and high up for us. Uh, then if you've got Antioch, who's got Antioch? You are 310 miles away from Jerusalem. So I think, I don't know, I think you should go right to the back of the hall. Is that okay? Could you go run right to the back of the hall? Because you're a long way away. Uh, you're 310 miles away. Then who's got Tarsus? 
Where's Tarsus? Someone got Tarsus? If you could go right near uh, down there, that would be wonderful. Um, you're just 85 miles from Antioch um, in modern-day Turkey. You're a city of around 250,000 people. Uh, we've got some believers. Excellent. You're in Jerusalem at the moment, if that's okay. And then we've got Barnabas. You're in Jerusalem at the moment, if that's okay. Uh, Saul, have we got Saul here? You're in Tarsus, so you're way over down there. Uh, then we've got Agabus and some prophets, and you're there, excellent, you're in Jerusalem. And we're going to read Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 30. And young people, if when your name is said, please could you act out or do what the Bible is saying? Is that okay? It, it's, it's fairly fun things, so you don't need to worry. Um, is everyone ready? Let's read this together. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 30. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So that's you believers. You've been spread because of the persecution and you've been spread all the way to Antioch. So please go. Um, some of them, however, may, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Go on, Barnabas. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. Are you glad? And encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers. Can you do your teaching? Yeah, I did an impression of boring teachers. Uh, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Well done. Fast, fast prophets. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Are you predicting a famine? Well done. That's, I like that. That's brilliant. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, this is you believers, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did sending the gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So Barnabas and Saul, you've got a long trip back all the way to Jerusalem. You've now got some bags of money with you. All the way to Jerusalem. Let's give everyone a round of applause. Well done. Thank you so much. Just put the papers down there. Thank you. So we're asking this question, what does it mean to be part of an apostolic and prophetic movement? And when we're looking at the term apostolic, um, we're seeing in Acts chapter 11 this sense of moving, 
of sending and receiving of people and resource. We used to judge, I think, the success or not of a church by how many people we could gather. But I think now there's been a right paradigm shift as we realize the success of a church should be more judged by how many we send to their neighbors and to the nations. We're called to be a part of an apostolic church family that sends people, as has been referenced already this morning, to the nations and receives people from the nations. Wasn't it amazing? The church in Jerusalem, they gave their best. They gave Barnabas, a man who previously in Acts 4 had sold his field, a man who was full of the Holy Spirit, a man who'd given the the, the money from that field to apostolic mission, a man who was full of faith. And they sent prophets and they sent people to strengthen what God was doing in other parts of the world. But did you pick up on what happened? Money came back. And we see here two elements of what it means to be part of an apostolic family. It means global mission and it means supporting one another when we're in hard times. Just as we have a local church family, we have a global church family that we partner with and work with so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do. Isn't it great to be part of an apostolic movement? I mentioned the story at the beginning. I'm sure many of us could reference stories of the blessing and joy of what it means to be part of a network, part of a family. And it's so important that we continue to be obedient to what Acts helps us see, that we don't focus with tunnel vision upon what God is doing in our locality, but we allow scripture, we allow one another to open our eyes and to see that God cares about the whole world. And he cares about us being connected. And I think especially at this time, I know many of you will know all the terrible things that are going on in Ukraine at the moment. Isn't it amazing that we can be part of Christ Central Family Churches who sent over 110,000 pounds to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine? Christ Central, around about 300 churches in 25 different nations. But we're also, isn't it great to be part of a wider family of churches called New Frontiers? Thousands of churches in in around 90 nations together actually sent 1.1 million pounds to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We're fulfilling what God spoke over us as a family a network of churches that we could do more together than we can apart. And of course, a part of the global church family as well that has probably sent near billions in terms of Christian resource and finance to help our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. So what does it mean to be part of an apostolic movement? It means to send and to receive and to be a family of churches that helps one another in mission. What does it mean to be a prophetic family? of churches, a prophetic movement. I don't know if you picked it up, but God was speaking a lot through the scripture that we read in Acts 11, verse 19 to 30. I could think of eight ways God was speaking, and I'd love to run through these eight points 
as to how God was speaking in that context. So number one, God was speaking through pain. God was speaking through pain. Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Jesus had told his disciples, he told his, his apostles to wait for the promised uh, Holy Spirit and then that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But what did they do? They stayed put. The movement had already become a monument within a week. <laughs> They'd stayed put. But when the persecution came after Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was killed, it's almost like this door of persecution opened. And many of the believers stayed put in Jerusalem, but many actually spread. And as they went and traveled, they shared the good news. And I wonder if there was a moment in those believers' minds when they sat down, perhaps with the apostles, and said, ah, look what's happened through this persecution. It was terrific and, and horrible and, and, and horrific, sorry. You know, godly men um, and buried Stephen. They mourned deeply for him. There was a real sense of sadness and pain and death. But through the pain, God was working. He was spreading his disciples as he'd asked them to be spread. They'd gone from town to town and village to village. Isn't it amazing, even in Ukraine at the moment, our brothers and sisters, they're thinking and praying about where God would have them plant as they're scattered by this war. In fact, there's almost a hint of joy in their eyes as they think about planting churches into surrounding nations of Ukraine. You think, wow, what a godly perspective. In the same way, in our little pain that we go through in our lives, many of you will be going through incredibly painful situations at the moment. God is speaking. You may not see it right now. You might not have the clarity, but often with hindsight, or at least definitely in heavenly hindsight, when we go to be with Jesus, we'll look back and go, ah, ah, ah. God speaks through pain. Number two, Sharing, God speaks through sharing. Acts 11 verse 19 still. Spreading the word only among Jews. As these believers are scattered because of the persecution, they start gossiping the gospel. They start telling people about Jesus in their everyday life. I've had the joy of going on some uh, missions where you go to go and tell people about Jesus um, what's amazing, often the best stories come on the journey out there. I remember going to Albania to uh, help be with some churches there. And um, we were, I was uh, on the plane, sat next to this guy and uh, just, just chatting with him. He was asking what we were doing. He, he had a, a, a kind of nominal faith. But as we explained the gospel to him, as we're coming to land in Albania, he receives Christ and he becomes a Christian. And and you think, wow, that's an amazing story. But did anyone become a believer in Albania? I don't think they actually did. <laughs> it was as we went. And I want to encourage you, as you go throughout your daily life, as you go to the school, as you go to the shop, as you go to the neighbour, as you go and play footy or whatever you love doing, as you go, be like these believers and share the gospel. Acts 11 verse 20, God also speaks through preaching. Um, they were telling them the good news about 
the Lord Jesus in Acts 11, verse 20. Um, and, and there's a difference here between verse 19 and verse 20. In verse 19, there's almost this gossiping of the gospel as people go. But in verse 20, there's this proclamation telling them about the good news of Jesus. If you like, it's like a town crier. Hear ye, hear ye. The emperor has declared an amnesty to all slaves. And it's almost like there's been this gossiping in verse 19, this, this, this is the gospel, this is the gospel, sharing it. But in verse 20 now, there's this proclamation, perhaps when there's a gathered uh, few in that place. Number four, we also see God speaking through blessing when they saw what the grace of God had done. Barnabas reaching uh, Antioch, he, he sees what the grace of God has done and he's glad and encouraged them. And God speaks through blessing. And, and often people say, well, um, how do I get involved in, in mission, in, in, in this apostolic and prophetic movement? Well, we can say, where is the blessing of God? Join in on that. Get involved in what God is already at work in. Number five, God works through relationship. Remember Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. This Saul who uh, also referred to as Paul encountered Jesus on the Damascus road. He, he shared his story in Jerusalem, but then he goes into almost um, kind of uh, obscurity in Tarsus. We don't hear about him much. But Barnabas, when he gets um, over to Antioch, he thinks, I want to go and reach out for Saul. I think Saul would be great here. So he grabs Saul and brings him to Antioch and they teach the people there. And God speaks through relationship, through relationship. Who has God given in your life that you just connect with? Often God wants you to do stuff with those people. He speaks through relationship. I don't think Barnabas needed a word of knowledge to go and get Saul. He was in Antioch and thought, man, how Saul? I want to go and get Saul. And so he brings him with him and they do teaching together. Then number six, teaching. Barnabas and Saul, they teach the church for a whole year. And so going back to the town crier analogy, if preaching is hear ye, hear ye, we might say this is uh, Piper uh, imagine then people approaching this herald with questions. Well, what does amnesty mean? When does this announcement take place? Does that mean I can leave my slave master now? Will compensation be paid to masters and so on? At that point, as you start to explain these intricacies, you get into the whole arena of teaching, teaching. So there's been a gossiping of the gospel, there's been a proclamation of the gospel, and now there is a teaching of the gospel. And we may think, well, I can't even remember what was preached last week, uh, what was taught last week. How Does it really have a difference? You know what, I can't really think, I can't bring to memory, I can maybe bring to memory one or two of my driving lessons, but I, I think I had about 40. <laughs> I failed a few times, anyone else? Yeah, um, it's bad, isn't it? F, fail. It's not like, oh, you got this percent. No, you, you failed. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> but when I get into a car, I can drive. Anyone else? 
In the same way, almost teaching, we think, is it really, you know? Actually, it does go in. It does help shape our mind and transform our thinking. So I want to encourage you, block out Sunday mornings. Come and receive good teaching from your team here. Number seven, God also speaks through unbelievers. Acts 11 verse 26, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Do you know the Methodists? were called that as a derogatory term, as a term to kind of take the mick out of them because they were so methodical. You know, the Quakers were called Quakers because they used to shake when they used to pray. And so they were called the Quakers. And the, the people here in Antioch, a city that was split up into five different sections, um, but these people all came together under Christ and they couldn't stop talking about Christ so they were called Christians as like a derogatory term. And it's, it's stuck, hasn't it? A couple of thousand years later, it's still here. And isn't it funny how, how people not of faith spoke and shaped a movement, if you like, and shaped uh, our term that we use even today, Christians. And in the same way, um, God is speaking even through people not of faith. <gasps> now, it must line up with Scripture um, but we see this time and time again. Acts 17, verse 28, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Titus 1, 12. Paul quotes secular sources to say how God is speaking. God can speak to you in the cinema and through a book. Um, I remember actually being in the cinema and we have some partners, some friends in India and, and, and they asked for some help. And I just said, you know what? I'm sorry. We just, we're not in a place to at the moment. We can't do that. I remember going to the cinema, seeing a movie and just being nailed by God and uh, about is a film about India and just weeping and weeping and God saying, you need to do something. God is speaking even in the most unlikely of places. And then in number eight, the final one I picked out from this passage through prophets. During this time, remember the prophets and Agabus, they go from Jerusalem to Antioch. We can all prophesy, but there are prophets among us. I know Ginny, we would recognize Ginny as a prophet in our movement who's among you here. Not infallible, Acts 21, we see Agabus getting something slightly wrong, but incredible gift to the body of Christ who can help bring direction. So what does it mean to be part of an apostolic and prophetic movement, a family of churches? You're part of Christ Central part of New Frontiers. What does that mean? What it means we send and receive and support one another in global mission. And it means we hear God together in a whole myriad of ways so that he keeps us as a movement and not a monument. And what's the purpose of all this? Well, why is it so good to be part of an apostolic and prophetic movement? I think to come into land, Acts 11 verse 21 the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I wonder if I could have a volunteer who doesn't mind um, putting on a t-shirt or two. It's a, I'll, I'll show you the t-shirt before you agree to start. It's wearing that just for a moment. Is someone happy to wear that for a moment? Oh, thank you so much. Give this man a round of applause. If you're happy to come up here, that'd be amazing. Thank you, mate. What was your name? Pete, thanks, Pete. If you're happy to put that on. <laughs> so Pete here is wearing a T-shirt that 
explains three, <laughs> yeah, three, um, three items related to sin or our wrongdoing. So we see there some feces because the Bible helps us know that sin leaves us with guilt. It makes us feel dirty on the inside. Sin also separates us from God. It puts a, a gap between us and God. And sin, our wrongdoing, our turning our back on God, also deserves the judgment of God. So there's a judge's gavel there, a hammer. Um, our sin deserves judgment. But Jesus, when he came to earth, he had no sin. So he had no guilt. He was never, ever separated from Father God. He was always in complete, perfect unison. And he deserved no judgment because there was no sin upon him. Isn't that amazing? If you happen to take your T-shirt off, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Jesus, upon the cross, he became sin for us. And so he experienced that filth of our wrongdoing. He was in some way separated from his father and he experienced the judgment that we deserve so that he could give us his perfect life in exchange for our sin. Theologians will say that through this, we have experienced expiation. God removes our sin and guilt. We have received reconciliation. We're brought back to Father God and we have experienced propitiation. God has satisfied his own wrath by Christ upon the cross. And so now we wear these righteous robes, royal robes that we don't deserve because we have experienced the great exchange. We've swapped our sin for Christ's righteousness. Isn't this amazing gospel news? Thank you so much, Mark. Cheers, mate. So why are we part of an apostolic and prophetic movement? It's so that we can send and receive and encourage and comfort and hear God together so that the gospel may spread, so that other people may experience expiation, reconciliation, propitiation that we have. Our sins removed and righteousness received as a free gift. Let's pray together. It may just be that there's one person in this room, maybe you've been around this church for a while and this message, that last few minutes has hit you and you think, yes, maybe that prophetic word that was shared, I don't really need this, but yes, you do. Maybe that was speaking to you. If there's one person in this room, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you want to say this prayer with me, you want to give your life to Christ. You want to have that exchange where you give him your wrongdoing and receive his right doing, his righteousness. You can do that right now through just saying this prayer, believing it in your heart and saying it with your mouth. I'm sorry, Father God, for my wrongdoing. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. Please, Holy Spirit, 
come and live with me right now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to speak with you. This is what we're about. This is why we give our money and our time and our energy and our effort to be part of an apostolic and prophetic movement because this message is amazing. It changes you from the inside out. It's not religion. It's a relationship with God. Thank you. Amen.